It's DWMOD, guys. That's Disagree With Me or Donut. We are back with our NFL Playoff Challenge. We'll have our picks in for the conference championship games coming up. But as usual, there's some other things we want to get into and talk about first this week. So let's get this thing rolling. Yes, I'm Mikey Wilson, and this is DWMOD. You. Welcome to the Detroit Bad Boys, Cade Cunningham. Let's roll. Down! Hut! 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 It's 2021, and Sweet Lou Whitaker is still not in the Baseball Hall of Fame. An atrocity. Ready? Aw, Lions fans drinking that Kool-Aid Super Bowl! Hey, disagree with me or don't. That's how it works. Hut! Hut! The Dan Campbell era has officially started in Detroit, and I'm all in simply for the change in culture that it'll bring. Let the next guy worry about winning. I love it. Down! Good riddance to the greedy NCAA who decided they wouldn't share one penny of their billions in profits with players. Instead, they'll let name, image, and likeness pay the players. Bye, NCAA. You're no longer needed. Ready? Major League Baseball's sticky tack on the mound trials were nothing more than a witch hunt to hide the fact that it's home run or bust at the plate no one can hit anymore. Hey, disagree with me or don't. That's how it works. Welcome back, guys. Welcome back. Hey, I just want to start the show off this week with a little high school football talk and give a shout-out to my home base there, Calabasas High School Football. Many of you know I coach football over there. I'm the O-line and D-line coach for the varsity over there under Kerry Harris. Uh, a lot of you guys probably know him from USC fame. Played for Pete Carroll, drafted, played for the Buffalo Bills for a number of years up there. We had the privilege of having Lincoln Riley and the USC football coaching staff come through this week, talk to some of our guys. It's always cool when you get to do something like that, man, meet some of them guys that are at the next level like that. Really cool dude, class act, him and the whole staff. It was a pleasure to meet him, and it was really cool to have him out at practice. Now, speaking of class acts and speaking of being impressed, I want to talk a little bit about the new coach down at Grambling State University, Hugh Jackson. And another coach on his staff, Coach Chili Davis. I want to thank those guys personally for having uh, my son come down on an official visit. We went down to Grambling last weekend, check out the campus, check out the facilities, talk to Coach, you know, and uh, they end up offering him a scholarship, man. I'm really, really proud of my son. He's worked really, really hard for this. Um, something that we, we put into works three years ago, we put a plan together to try to get him to where he wanted to go. Wanted to try to get to a D1 program, get a scholarship, get a good education. And we went down there. We could not have been more impressed with the whole thing. And not just football, but the whole community down there. I mean, from minute one, when my son was even tweeting out that he was going down there for a visit, uh, everybody from alumni to people in the neighborhood, people from the school, were just nothing but love and support, man. They were all over tweeting him back, hey, hope you have a great time. Can't wait to see you down here. It was an outpouring of love that was overwhelming. And and when we got on campus, man, meeting the faculty, the teachers, uh, everybody that had anything to say to us, it was a very, very tight-knit community, and everybody was very interested in each other's successes. You know what I mean? Right down, down to the, the ladies at the cafeteria, to the gentleman in the bookstore who offered his phone number up to my son and said, hey, when you get here, even if you get a little homesick, you can call me up, man. We could talk about it. And just it, it, it very much had that old feel 
of the old neighborhood in Detroit, man, where no matter what block you were on, you you know, somebody knew you, somebody knew what was going on, and your parents could rest assured you were going to be taken care of. If you got caught doing something stupid, somebody's going to call you out. If you needed to get somewhere and get something done, they were going to help you do it. And it has very much had that that sense of it takes a village, man. And they're very interested in these guys just, you know, being a better part of the community, being a better man in society, and really getting that education. And that was the most impressive part to me. So it was a great visit. I can't thank them guys enough for having us down there and treating us like family. And it was an easy choice for Nolan when he got home. He said, hey, that's where I want to go. That's where I want to be. And I'm going to commit. I'm going to take that scholarship. So he's committed. And this fall, he'll be playing football at Grambling State University, man. And we couldn't be more proud than to be part of the Graham fam. It is going to be a ball this fall, seeing those games. Now let's talk about last weekend. And I got to tell you, how about those playoffs last week? How about that divisional round? Am I right? I mean, we were saying it right here on the show how special this playoffs was going to be. And you're going to look back on this one and go, wow. And it lived up and man did we have some bullseyes on the dartboard this weekend i mean that first game bengals titans what we say taking the bengals give me the bengals to win the game outright and the final score we had in that one was 24 to 17 well that was pretty damn close to the mark right there said the bengals would get out to a, a quick start and the titans wouldn't be able to run the ball when they're playing from behind like they want to and bam nailed it joe b moving on and then there was the Packer game, the Packers and the Niners. Man, what a finish in that thing. But, man, we were one punt block away with, what, three, four minutes to go in the game. That punt doesn't get blocked, and we have another perfect Saturday on the books, man, because the the Packers would have covered, he would have hit the under, and the Packers would have won. But that's not what happened, man, and that's gambling. Uh, two block kicks for a 10-point swing, and what are you going to do? What are you going to do, man? They end up losing the game, and everybody wanted to bitch and complain about the the two block punts or the two block kicks. And yeah, that is something to definitely complain about. But you know what? Let's not let it pass our radar that I think the Packers had like 58 yards in the second half, man. So I mean, that's kind of on them. That Rams Bucks game blew my mind. I mean, that was a direct dart. That was a direct dart right there. They had trouble protecting Brady all day, like we said. That that defensive line, Vaughn Miller, Aaron Donald, they were going to be all over Brady, and Brady was going to struggle all day, but Brady would be Brady and find a way to keep it close, and then Matt Stafford would make a big play in the fourth quarter, and we had the Rams winning at 31-24 after that big play by Stafford, and you might as well scripted the damn thing off of what we said right there. I mean, nailed that one pretty damn close to the tee. And Bill's Chiefs. Bills Chiefs was absolute mayhem. I mean, everybody enjoyed that, right? Everybody enjoyed that, and we're going to get a little bit more into that. Um, just dive into this one a little bit real quick here. Uh, you know, we had the final score at 30-24, to 24, and at the end of the game there, it was 26-21, and I remember that because it was under two minutes to go, 26-21, and the Bills are looking at fourth and 13. If they don't pick up that first down right there, I'm in for a $400 square. My man threw a touchdown pass. Boom. Done. All of it. <laughs> but I'm like, I'm okay because I, I played an all-dogs parlay. So if the Bills win this one anyway off that touchdown, I'm going to collect on my parlay anyway. Got some money coming. Nope. Nope. And then about 40 seconds later, oh, yeah, okay. Bills going to win it. Bills going to win it. Woo. Okay. They score. 13 seconds left in the game. I got it. I'm going to hit that parlay. 
Nope. Nope. Now I got to tell you. Now I got to tell you. Where everybody else was enjoying the hell out of themselves at the end of that game and watching history, uh, I was, and probably everybody else who's a defensive type of guy, um, I was pulling my hair out. I was becoming ultimately frustrated. Okay, I can live with the guy falling down and you get the touchdown. I can live with Josh Allen just rifling a bullet between the safeties and scoring that touchdown. I can live with Mahomes getting the ball to, to Hill in space and he takes it all the way to the house. I mean, let's tackle, but okay, I can live with that. He's a special player, made a special play. I can live with that one. What I cannot live with is the 13 seconds left, guys. That was just, uh, that was botched beyond belief, beyond belief. I mean, I don't know how you don't have two guys straight up man on Hill and Kelsey on both of those downs. What are you playing the sidelines for with 13 seconds left? I mean, you're rushing four guys. Just send two. Let them hold the ball. Let them run around and try to find somebody to throw it to. I don't care how many timeouts they got. What you don't want to do is let him get it out of his hand quick and get it to the middle of the field with it and get a chunk of yards and rip a timeout. And, and you sure don't want to let him get it to Hill. And you sure don't want to let him get it to Kelsey. I, that thing was botched from the beginning. And somebody should have been fired on the damn tarmac. I mean, you should have been fired on the tarmac for that. 13 seconds and you let him get into field goal range by not playing the middle of the field at all. I mean, woof. That was bad. That was bad. And that took us to the overtime. And we're going to get into talking about overtime rules here. As we get into quick hits, no doubt. Congratulations to the Los Angeles Rams for being the first team ever to beat Tom Brady after giving him four turnovers. First team ever to beat him when giving him four turnovers. When Tom Brady has collected four turnovers, he was 49-0. Not anymore. Here's a quick one for Jeff Saturday maybe to bring to the show on ESPN really quickly. Is to talk about the drop-off between starters and their backups on the offensive line in the playoffs is almost insurmountable. Any other position, man, you get guys that can step in and and they can play and and they'll step in and do well. But I mean, if you got like a Tyreek Hill going down, you're not replacing him, but you got a guy stepping in that can catch the ball, run routes, you know, you can still run your offense, things like that. But I'm telling you, the drop off from the ones to the twos on the offensive line, it'll it'll absolutely kill you in the playoffs. I mean, look at the Chiefs last year in the Super Bowl; it murdered them. Tampa Bay this weekend, it murdered them. Green Bay, you got guys banged up all over the place. They couldn't get a first down in the second half to save their lives. It murdered them. It's quite a bit of a drop-off, man. Now let's talk overtime, man. This thing has been getting beat up all over the sports talk this week. The football overtime. And people hate it that one team can get the ball, win the coin toss, And that's the end of the game, and the other guy doesn't even get the ball. Now, we all know this started a few years back when Brady got the ball and the young star Mahomes didn't even get to touch it, and that was it. And Brady won the game, and the Patriots moved on, and everybody was upset about that, and rightfully so. The rules were different back then, rightfully so, but that led to a rule change, right? So we changed to the new system where if you score a touchdown in the first drive, the game's over. But if you don't and you get a field goal, then the other team gets a chance to rebuttal and the other team gets a ball. And it's been pretty good. I mean, that rule's been pretty good. I'm not going to be up in arms about this right now. Uh, do we all want to see Josh Allen get a chance with the ball in that game? 100% we do. 100% we want to see that. Now, it stands to reason, and it's very true, you got to play some damn defense if you want to you know, win the game. That is true. 
But what I don't understand is everybody's saying it, that the whole thing needs to be changed or it needs to be kept the same. What I'm saying is why can't we have it different just for the playoffs? Okay, now hear me out on this one because everybody said, no, you can't have one set of rules for the regular season and then change them in the playoffs. And I'm saying as far as overtime's concerned, why not? All the other sports do it. You know what I mean? Like baseball put a guy on second base after a certain inning during the regular season and all, but I believe in the postseason that that guy doesn't get to hit second base, right? I think that's the case, but more so I'm going to bring up hockey. I'm going to talk about the NHL. Now, we all know all these overtime rules for every sport. It's to shorten the game. We don't want the game any longer. We don't want injuries to the players. We understand all that. So in hockey, they change it to a, what, a five-minute overtime period, and they play four-on-four. If nobody scores, they do a shootout. They decide the game there. Boom, it's done. We move on. Regular season's long. We don't want to drag these things out with 20-minute periods anymore. But in the playoffs, in the playoffs, we don't do that. In the playoffs, we're trying to crown a champion. We play hockey to decide who wins the hockey game to win the hockey championship. So they they change their overtime rules in the playoffs. So I don't see what the problem would be during the regular season in the NFL. Keep the overtime that we have right now. That's fine enough for the regular season. And in the playoffs, it's mandatory each team touch the ball one time. You know, the opening team gets a touchdown. The other team gets to have the ball one time, you know. And and I don't think that that's a big deal to change for the playoffs. Just for the playoffs. Both teams get to touch the ball once. You, you should do that. Now, I will say this. I'm going to bring up Jeff Saturday again. Jeff Saturday did make a good point when he stated, well, the team that gets the ball first then has the disadvantage because you're playing three down football and the team that gets the ball second gets to play four down football. And that is a pretty big advantage. He's got a legitimate point there. But I do think we we need to see both sides get to touch the ball once in overtime. You know, you just got to do something about that, especially if you're the NFL and you're constantly changing all these rules to have all this offensive explosion and you want this to be an all-offensive game, then why aren't you going to let both offenses see the field in overtime? It seems contradictory to what you're trying to do. Shout out to the tweet of the week from two weekends ago was my man Mark Rozeka uh, at the end of the Cowboys-Niners game when he tweeted out, Russo booked this Cowboys finish. Now you wrestling fans understand what that means, and I thought it was hilarious. But as it would apply to this weekend's finish for the Bills and the Chiefs, uh, that would not have been a Russo booked finish there because that was a classic overdone WrestleMania finish of finishing move, kick out, finishing move, kick out, finishing move, kick out, finishing move, kick out. Then somebody got pinned, and by then we were all going, come on, man. And that's quick hits this week, guys. For real, we're keeping it quick. Moving on so we can get to these picks for these upcoming games this weekend, conference championships. But there was also a bit of news outside of football this week that we have to get into talking about. You know it's a passion of mine on this show is the Baseball Hall of Fame. I mean, these idiots can just never get out of their own way. For the life of me, I don't know why we give the power to validate guys' careers to these writers who just pick who they like that never played the game. I mean, give, give us a panel of Hall of Famers to select who Hall of Famers are. Give us a panel full of guys like Griffey and Ripken and let these guys sit around and discuss a guy's career. Not some pencil pusher who's mad because he didn't get an interview one time or whatever his stupid-ass reasons are for voting. Because these guys are boobs. 
I mean, I, I'm going to beat it to death every time I talk about this, that Lou Whitaker is still not in the Hall of Fame is asininely ridiculous. But let's move on to this year's class and have a little chat. Okay, let's talk about the juicers. All right, these guys are adamant that they're not going to let the juicers into the Hall of Fame. And and I'm fine with that. The ones that have gotten nailed, the ones that are, are straight up been nailed to the wall with it, I'm fine with it. And I don't want to hear any of these arguments about, well, Barry Bonds and Roger Clements would have made it anyway, so we should put them in. Oh, you just kind of would have made it anyway. I mean, I'm not with that, okay? Them guys can get into the Hall of Fame, but for me it's just like Pete Rose, man. You broke the rules. You're not going in the Hall of Fame. Maybe posthumously. You know, maybe after these guys are dead, a veterans committee can put them in and they belong. But I don't think that they should have the accolades while they're walking the earth. I don't know. That's that's me. You broke the rules, man. We can't break the rules for the guys that broke the rules and not have rules and break the rules to put them in for breaking the rules. It's stupid. You can't do it. But that being said, they even play favorites on that. They even play favorites on that. We're not going to put the guys in that did the steroids, yet some of them are getting really, really close on the vote on this last ballot, and then some of them are, are absolutely not getting anywhere sniffing anything. Like, McGuire's not going, Sosa's not going, they're getting none of the vote, those two guys. What's the difference? What are you guys, it, it just goes to my point, you pick who you like. You're laying it down thick that you're not going to let juicers in, and then you're 70% on some of them and 20 on the other. I mean, you are or you aren't. Oh, let me tell you, you are, and you are super hypocrites because the one guy that gets in on this year's ballot is David Ortiz. I mean, not to mention in years past, you idiots have bashed the DH position and you're not going to let DHs in until as of recently you started putting a couple of them in. But now you're going to take a DH who's known popped for juicing and you're going to put him on in the first ballot? Why? Why him over everybody else? Oh, because he's one of you guys now, and he's in the media, and he's a really nice guy, and he's fun to be around. You know what I mean? You're just hypocrites, man. I'm not saying anything personal about Ortiz. I think Ortiz is a Hall of Famer. I do think Ortiz is a Hall of Famer, you know, but with the steroids, you, you got to make him wait it out, maybe posthumously. I don't know. But I'm saying, yeah, this guy's a Hall of Famer, but you pick this guy and not the other guys. I mean, you just pick who you want. I, I get it. The tipping point for Ortiz is, you know, his postseason heroics go with his numbers, and they're fantastic. Guys had some of the biggest hits in postseason history. But if postseason now is all of a sudden so important for you and can put a guy over the top on your little teeter-totter of who you like, then let's just start right at the top of the class this year, guys that didn't get in. Kurt Schilling? Kurt Schilling because you don't like his politics? This ain't even a steroid guy. You don't like his politics. Kurt Schilling is not in the Hall of Fame. Kurt Schilling's a Hall of Famer, man. And, and for postseason alone, Kurt Schilling is a Hall of Famer, and you guys are assholes. Just to run down the ballot really quickly, David Ortiz gets in with 77% of the vote. Now, you know you have to have 75% to get in, right? So Barry Bonds is now off the ballot. He only got 66. Roger Clements is off the ballot, 65. A couple of juicers. I don't really care. Uh, Scott Rowland comes in at 63% of the vote. Scott Rowland's a hot name that they're going to push over and probably into the Hall of Fame next year, yet Todd Helton is only at 52% of the vote. I mean, Todd Helton's probably a guy that they're not going to put in the Hall of Fame, and, and they're going to put Rowland in, and let's just compare their numbers. I mean, Rowland's a 281 lifetime hitter. He's got 2,100 hits, 316 home runs, 1,300 RBIs. 
a good good career by no means a slam dunk hall of famer not too many other you know awards accolades on there had some really good postseasons and all that but let's look at todd helton's career four silver sluggers three gold gloves led the league in hits once i mean this is a guy that's close to 300 lifetime average and the guy's got 2500 hits 369 home runs and 1400 rbis better numbers across the board and he's not going to sniff it this is what i'm talking about who doesn't think omar vizcael belongs in the hall of fame did the guy play a hundred seasons and has decent numbers and was one of the best defensive players in the history of the game he was one of the best defensive players in the history of the game i mean and this guy he can't even get anywhere near it they got him at 28 percent he's just not flashy enough i guess or maybe he didn't speak english thoroughly enough for these guys i don't know I mean, they got A-Rod on here. Uh, they're not putting him in yet. Steroid thing. I get it. Sammy Sosa is also off the ballot now at like 18%. He can't come back. Steroid guy. I get it. But, I mean, again, the, the other guys are okay, but he's not. I don't know. But the other three big travesties on this list of guys they're not going to put in, uh, number one, Gary Sheffield. Gary Sheffield is in the 500 home run club, okay? They always want to bring up the steroid thing with him. He never got popped for anything. He never got popped for anything. His name popped up on some kind of list somewhere from some lab of possible patients or people they were going to reach out to. I don't even know what it was. His name popped up on a paper somewhere once. This guy never failed anything, was never even under question for any kind of steroid use. This guy's a 500 home run hitter, and and he can't even get above, what, 40% of the vote? 40% of the vote. He's in the 500 home run club. You know why? Because they didn't like Gary, because Gary didn't like the media, and Gary was shitty to them. So they're gonna, they're gonna get him. They're gonna take it out on him. They're gonna show him. Whatever, man. It's a 500 home run guy. The other one, uh, Billy Wagner. Billy Wagner is sixth on the all-time save list with 422 saves, with a lifetime ERA of 231. We're not gonna put him in either because we have this bias against these closers. But we'll pick the ones we like. We'll give. We'll pick the ones we like, and we'll put him in. We're just not going to do the ones we don't. This guy's sixth all time, 422 saves. Why would this guy not be in the Hall of Fame? You know? And the third one is, I'm, I'm always banging this drum, is asininely ridiculous. Jeff Kent comes in at 32% of the vote. In another year or two here, Jeff Kent is going to be left off of this ballot and get nowhere near the 50% mark when... This guy is the all-time home run leader for second baseman, MVP, played in the World Series. He's got the hits. He's got the RBIs. His numbers are as good, if not better, than every other second baseman out there. And he's hit more home runs and has more RBIs than any of them. And this guy can't sniff the Hall of Fame. Why? Because he was an asshole to reporters, and they didn't like him. This is bullshit, man, and this needs to change. Now that we've thrown that on the table for for discussion there, you guys can disagree with me or don't on all of that. But I'm telling you right now, if you disagree with me, you're wrong. You're wrong. These guys are idiots. Anyway, we're going to move on to the next section here now. (laughs) We're going to move in to knock it off here. But before we get into that, let's tell you who knock it off is being brought to you by. Knock it off is being brought to you by the official beer of the dwmod podcast and that is old english 800 guys come on now you know what time it is this weekend these games are going to be on they're going to be starting early people are going to have their little beers and their mimosas and whatever i'm telling you skip all that get you some old english 800 
hit it with a splash of orange juice. Have yourself a brass monkey to enjoy them early games, and you will be doing yourself a favor. And while you're enjoying those drinks, guys, do not forget to have a few bowls of better-made chips out on the counter. Am I right? Let's get those better-made chips out for the game this weekend. There is no better potato chip to have with a football game. And for the kids or for everybody that's driving responsibly, make sure you got some Fago. Make sure you got some Fago to go with that. Get you them Fago Rock and Rise. Get you that Fago Red Pop. Let's go Fago Grape. Just delicious, delicious. Come on, man. It's Detroit versus everybody. Get them Fagos. Get them better maids. And if you're one of them guys that's like, man, I got some Lay's in the cupboard and I got some Cokes in the fridge, man. We're good. Man, please. All right, knock it off. Knock it off. And I got a few more of these to hand out this week. Let me tell you this right now. I'm about tired of listening to Aaron Rodgers all over TV and all over the media talking about everybody was tuning in to root against me because of my vaccine status. And, and that's fine if everybody wants to try to cancel me because of my vaccines. and my I'm being vilified here, you know, and people just want to hate me, but that's fine. All right, knock it off. Knock it off. First of all, you brought it on yourself, okay? You don't get to go from babyface to a heel turn, a self-chosen heel turn to get a bigger pop out of the media and the audience. You, you did it yourself. You turned heel. You brought all this attention on you acting the way that you did. And now you want to cry that you're being seen as a villain. You chose it, man. You made a heel turn, bro. You're one of these guys where it was probably getting boring for you the way you're dominating the game and you got to try to, like Jordan, find a chip to put on your shoulder, something to motivate you. So you started creating all this hate for yourself. You did. You did this to yourself, my man. And then you want to complain about it? And furthermore, number two, I mean, let's not complain that everyone tuned in to watch you lose and boo-hoo for you when you put up 58 yards in the second half, my man. I mean, you didn't do a damn thing to win that game, and your distraction wants to be, well, people don't like me. Come on. I like the Packers, man. I'm a shareholder. I like the Packers, man, and this guy's a real talented quarterback. But I got to be honest with you. I am about Aaron Rodgers out. All right, knock it off. Knock it off. Now here comes my weekly shot at the sports talk media on the mothership there, as Dan Patrick would put it, on ESPN. So I'm watching, I think, get up in the morning, whatever the one is where they, they like to start shouting at each other with Stephen A. Smith. And they start in with the Ben Roethlisberger thing, man. Ben Roethlisberger retires. And then it seemed really organic the way that uh, Stephen A. Smith made fun of him. And then they came back at him and said, oh, that's not cool. The dude retired. You shouldn't be ragging on him and saying, good, he should go away. And then it turned into the the host of the show saying, yeah, I didn't cry and complain when Eli Manning retired. And I said, anyway, my point here was it seemed very organic that they got into uh, discussing Roethlisberger and Eli. And then the very next show and the show after that for the rest of the day, the talking point was Ben Roethlisberger against Eli Manning, who had the better career. Wh why? Why are we doing that? All right, knock it off. Knock it off. That is a planned conversation just to have something to argue about. When Eli retired, I will point out, we didn't compare him to someone else and who had a better career. The immediate discussion when Eli retired was Hall of Famer or not a Hall of Famer. 
Well, as soon as Ben Roethlisberger retired, the producers and the powers that be on the shows were like, well, let's not have a discussion about Hall of Famer and not Hall of Famer because it's hands down no brainer. Ben Roethlisberger is a Hall of Famer. I mean, you know what I mean? Uh, that rhyme that was pretty sweet. Thank you. But I'm just saying, that's a no-brainer. So we can't argue about that. What can we do? Hmm, what's a hot play? Oh, let's go Ben versus Eli, who had a bet. Man, can we just celebrate the man's career for five minutes? It's a guy that went to three Super Bowls, one, two. I think he's like fourth all-time in fourth-quarter comebacks. He's top ten in every category. Uh, the story, you know, franchise he played for, the greatest quarterback to play for that franchise. Yes, he's better than Terry Bradshaw. Uh, I mean, just can we just celebrate the guy's retirement without immediately going into what can we yell at each other about here? So tired of it. All right, knock it off. Knock it off. And my last one this week is from my man Mel Kuyper. Oh, my God. He came out with the mock draft, and my man said the Lions, at the end of the first round with the draft pick we acquired from the Rams, are going to take the third-best quarterback in this soft, soft quarterback class at the end of the first round. I, I, I'm telling you right now, if the Lions draft a quarterback with their second pick in the first round out of this quarterback group this year, I have already tweeted it, and I will I will post a video of myself shooting a beer out of a shoe. I mean, no way. I just have far more faith in this new regime with the depth of defensive talent that is in the first round this year that they would take a quarterback at the end of the first round when there's no good ones to be had. I'm sorry. I, I just have more faith in this regime. I know I'm a Lions fan, and I shouldn't. Maybe I'm deep into the Kool-Aid here, but it ain't going to happen. If it does, I'll drink a beer out of my shoe. And for all you comedians, I said, yeah, well, what are you going to do if they trade up to get one? If they trade up to get one, I don't know what I'll chase that beer with, but it'll be interesting. You can tune in for the video. All right, knock it off. Knock it off. Now, down to brass tacks, guys, the moment you've all been waiting for. Let's see what's going to happen this week with our picks. Mr. Anthony Finelli is back, last year's champ. Mr. Andy St. Clair, our resident Vegas odds gambler. He is back in the house this week. We're going to have our picks for you right now for this AFC and NFC championship weekend. Now, as it stands right now, the contest standings, uh, DWMOD pod is, is way out in front here, guys, with 43 points. Anthony Finelli in second with 31, and Andy St. Clair came storming back with a pretty good weekend last week to get in striking distance at 28. Now, this thing isn't over. Everybody's in striking distance here. Now, I've been having some pretty good luck on my picks this season, been pretty hot, but this thing is anybody's ball game still. All right, well, first up on the docket, boys, we got the Cincinnati Bengals traveling to the Kansas City Chiefs. Chiefs are laying seven to the Bengals, and the over-under is at 54-and-a-half. Man, that is pretty steep. But as usual, like every week, we start with the champ. You got the T-Box, sir. And we're live from the set, I believe. My man is on set at an undisclosed location, working on a big-time project. So thank you for your time, buddy. But jump in, jump in. All right, this is Anthony Finelli. Back to continue his little bit below mediocre run of NFL picks during this year's playoffs for championship weekend. We're going to start in the AFC. I got the Chiefs with their minus seven, and I'm taking the over against the Bengals. 
Well, that does seem to be the consensus this week, and I'm going to guess that's going to be across the board, and especially for my man Andy St. Clair, the Chiefs super fan. Uh, am I right here, Andy? You're doing the same thing, right? All right, Mikey, Cincinnati, Kansas City, Kansas City, seven-point favorite. Um, I'm just going to keep banging the same drum with the, the Bengals here. If every week feels like it's their Super Bowl. I'm not going to buy into the hype. I think this would be a trap game, except the Chiefs lost to them like a month ago. Uh, so that's why, and this won't surprise you, I'm going to take Kansas City minus seven. I'm going to take the over. It's going to be a lot of points. Chiefs going to win. You know, give me like 41-27, something like that. Yeah, I'd say that sounds pretty fair. I mean, most people would probably, you know, that's the general consensus here is that the, the Chiefs are going to run away with this damn thing. I mean, the smart money here is on KC all day long. I mean, they got Lazarus Mahomes over there, and he's like Boris the Blade in Snatch, man. You just can't kill this dude. I mean, there were reports on the internet that after the game when Allen and Mahomes embraced that Allen stole a couple of locks of Mahomes' hair and jumped the first flight down to New Orleans and tried to get a witch doctor and some chicken bones to put a curse on the dude. But I mean, if you're Josh Allen, man, like you, you really, I mean, you don't want to get around mixing up with that black magic, man. I mean, that stuff can go both ways, man. Like that can turn bad on you, dude. Don't do that. But Mahomes is absolutely Hulk Hogan of the NFL right now. I mean, my God. And if this were like a three, four or five point spread, I'd take him all day. But seven, seven points right now on these Bengals. I'm probably going to eat this one with a foot full of mustard here, guys. But give me Joey B and the Bengals. I'm going to take the points here, man. I mean, they'll keep it close here for sure. I'm going with Andy St. Clair's own strategy here. That if a team has a huge emotional win in the night game or the game of the week, the week before, he fades them out the next week. And the Bengals' defense will be better down the stretch than the Bills' impression of a nuclear bomb hitting the Hoover Dam. I mean, shit. And this over-under is just a nuts rollover from last week to me. I I mean, I don't know. I just don't see it. I mean, no way. Give me the under of 54 and a half and give me the Bengals, 27-26. Yeah, I'm not even going to play it safe, man. I'm playing the Bengals to win the game outright. So there it is, boys. Door is wide open. I could easily get blanked hard on that one, but we will see. Well, NFC Championship game. We know what we got here. It's right in our backyard out here in L.A. We got the San Francisco 49ers at the Los Angeles Rams, minus three and a half. Going to be a home game for the Frisco fans, though. We all know that. They will pack the stadium more than the Rams fans will. We all know that. That's how it's going to look. Over-under here is at 47. Andy St. Clair, what you got, man? Next up, number two, San Francisco at Los Angeles Rams. Um, Look, San Francisco's beaten them six times in a row. You know, they're going to play the same style of game again against the Rams. I think they're going to want to win, which is, you know, slow it down you're gonna want a final score of like 24 20 something like that 23 20 you know in that area and so i'm gonna take san francisco plus three and a half i am gonna take the under let's go uh good luck to everybody out there okay man you've been rolling with the niners i mean hey dance with the girl that brung you no doubt about that uh, Anthony, what are you thinking? What are you thinking? What are you thinking? I know, I know, I know the 49ers are, what, 6-0 and against 
McVay in the past three seasons in the regular season, but I think seven times a charm for the Los Angeles Rams here at home. So I'm going to take them to cover their spread as well as the over for both teams in that game. So there we go. My picks are a Super Bowl preview of Chiefs and Rams coming up then. Two back-to-back games in Los Angeles, possibly. Happy championship weekend. All right, my man. Rolling the Rams, rolling the over. I hear you. I hear you, man. Now get back on set. Hit your marks. Know your lines. Handle your business, my man. I know you're busy, but thanks for being here. Now look, I'm just going to repeat what they both just said, right? I mean, we all know the deal here. 49ers, six straight. Rams can't beat them. Only fools in the media are shoveling that shit, though, I'm telling you right now. Because, look, the Rams don't care about the past games. They're not sitting around thinking, well, man, tough luck here. (laughs) We drew that team we can't beat. We're done, man. I mean, they're just not doing that. And they believe in the fourth quarter magic of Matthew Stafford now more than ever. And trust me, on the flip side, I mean, the 49ers are not sitting around the locker room singing that hit song from the media this week of oh man three wins in a row against the same team and two on the road that's a tall order i mean they just ain't singing that song that ain't a hit on their billboard chart man they don't give a shit about any of that man shit they believe that they're a team of destiny especially after last week right but let me tell you why they're not okay they've got two good wins in the playoffs here man two good wins in a row that were both handed to them by imploding teams, man. Dallas imploded and blew it. I mean, the Packers two block kicks and shit the bed and couldn't get 60 yards in the second half. The Niners are really banged up right now, and I'm telling you, they they are definitely going to need some turnovers and some help from the Rams to pull this thing off, and I feel like the Rams got all those fumbles and jitters and turnovers out last week against Tampa Bay, and they still took the victory. I'm just saying, man. They are ready. And, and and if that Rams defense had Brady hemmed up last week, I mean, well, Jimmy G is, yeah, I mean, that's right. You got the right answer. He's Jimmy G. I mean, no way that the 49ers offense outscores the Detroit Wonder Boy this week, man. Akers has a huge first half, and the Rams close it out in the second half. Give me the under, and give me the Rams laying the three and a half. Give me Rams 24, 49ers 13. That's the end of the dance. It's midnight in San Francisco. Now that you have it, there's our predictions for this weekend. We'll see how things go. And really quick, before we get out of here, let's turn back to Andy and let him throw you a couple of teaser bets you might want to make this weekend. Uh, You know, put some cash in your pockets, guys. Teaser-wise, gosh, I would tease the Chiefs down to one. I would tease the 49ers up to 9.5-10. And I I would tease the under on that San Francisco Rams game to, you know, 52, 53. Just give me tease that under there that's my three-team teaser but uh another a couple other random bets i might make i mean i would take the Bengals and the niners money line i would money line parlay that why not why not you never know only two games and uh that's it you know let's let's win that money get that money okay okay i like where you're at with that i'm gonna play two bets this weekend guys i'm gonna play a straight up 14 parlay where i'm gonna take the cincinnati Bengals getting seven I'm taking the Rams laying three and a half, and I'm going to take the under in both games straight up. That's how I'm doing that one. And then my other one for my teaser, I'm going to tease the Bengals up to 13, okay? And I'm going to tease the Rams. I'm going to cross the line and take the Rams to two and a half. I don't know why I'm doing that, Andy. I agree with you. I should just take the Niners and the points here, but I just feel like the Rams are going to win this one, and I think they're going to win by more than that margin. So I'm going to cross the line. I'm going to go to two and a half on the Rams. And I am going to tease that over 
to 48 and a half in the Bengals and the Chiefs game. And I am going to tease the over in the Frisco and the Rams game to 40. So that's what I'm going to do. That's what I'm going to do on my bets there, guys. Good luck to everybody this weekend. Let's enjoy the games, man. Let's hope that they are just as good as they were last week. And we'll see you with some Super Bowl predictions, man. As always, I appreciate all of you guys for tuning in and for listening. And we'll see you next time.